So a few days before Christmas, how many have a lot to do? It's okay, you can raise your hands. Um, how many feel the pressure? Nobody? Okay, yeah, all right, great. It's a little bright up here, so, so you need to raise them really high. <laughs> there are a lot of pressures that come with this season. Most of it is self-inflicted pressure. How many feel that? You've created a tradition, good or bad, and you follow, to follow through with that, you've got to do a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of things you think you need, especially for this time of season. Who has a list? Anyone have a list? I've got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z, and then, then you get into numbers once you get through the letters. <laughs> right? There's just so many things to do and so many things that we value and think are important. And, and they're not necessarily bad things. They can be good things, but sometimes we can lose sight of Jesus in the midst of it and in the midst of celebrating Jesus. How many have experienced that? I experienced that. Well, I thought that I would be a good dad and be proactive about this and have a chat with my eldest to teach her the importance of what Christmas is about so that she can model it to her siblings. <laughs> and parents, how many of you go through your mind on what vocabulary to use that will give your child the best opportunity to receive the information you are trying to give the best way possible? And oftentimes it doesn't go to plan, okay? So I'm thinking about what to tell my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, so I am walking her through Christmas and all this stuff that, that she thinks she needs and wants and not trying to, you know, reject the things that she wants, but kind of redirect her a little bit. And that when we give ourselves away to things and stuff and the things people say we need and this and that, we can miss him. And then that led to a conversation about how someday she's going to have to choose if she wants to continue to walk with Jesus. And she looks at me because we're teaching her these things and all this. So I wanted to let her know what's coming. The world's going to tell you a lot of different things and you're going to have to decide. She goes like this. <laughs> she goes, Dad, stop. She goes, I'm going to choose to love Jesus no matter what. So my plan backfired because she taught me. <laughs> and I at first don't like it when my kids teach me because it makes me feel dumb. <laughs> uh, but it was one of those things where I got really teary because what she was saying to me was that she understands at least the best of her ability what really matters. And as far as she can see, there's nothing changing that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what we all want? <laughs> to be able to say, in this moment, I'm going to choose Jesus. In this moment, I'm going to love and trust him. She doesn't know her future, but she knows her present, and she was able to say with certainty for her, doesn't matter what the world says to me, I love him, and I will continue to love him. Now, I say that because we want to, I share this because we want to use this as an example as we get into more of chapter four. How many of you were here last week and heard Mark's powerful message on the woman at the well? Here, just a quick recap in chapter four, Jesus uh, goes out of his way to this well in Samaritan territory, 
where Jews would normally avoid, and here he is talking to a shamed woman at the well who's a Samaritan. That is a recipe for bad things, and Jesus doesn't avoid it. In fact, he engages it in in such a way that she, he, he reads her mail, and she is absolutely convinced that he's the Messiah, and then he agrees. He says, yeah, that's me. And then she leaves her water, and she goes to tell everybody in town. That's a big deal. It may not seem like it to us, but it's a huge deal. And what did she leave behind? The water. How many of you need water to live? We all do. And that was her purpose of going up there, and guess what? She left it behind. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Sometimes we can read over these passages and the things that seem trivial or not that big a deal anchor everything. So I I woke up this morning, and I'll be honest, I felt a little discouraged. I felt the pressures. I felt the demand. How many feel you just have too much demand on your life? Everybody wants something. You want something from yourself. Everybody wants something, and it's not bad, but sometimes it's hard to manage, and I was feeling that, and I was feeling discouraged, and I said, Lord, my discouragement seems to be louder than your voice, and I said, I need you to say something to me. Now, leave it to the Lord to have me do something that's out of character. I don't read blogs. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't, I have no social media presence, really, and this blog comes to my email, and I felt the Lord say, read it. I'm like, I don't read this stuff. Read it. I don't want to read it. Is it in a movie version? <laughs> I don't want to read it. <laughs> so I read it, and it was about uh, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, where the Lord says to, to return and rest. And as you do that, you will be built up in strength through trust, through trusting him. And so I, and, and the emphasis was on this word, returning, which means in Hebrew, which means to withdraw. So to withdraw from the battle, from the things that are wage, waging war in your life, to withdraw with the Lord so that you can begin to trust him, so that when you go into that environment again, you're at greater peace, greater confidence, And so sometimes, sometimes we need to withdraw so that we can engage Jesus in a way that he transforms our environment and that we don't give ourselves away to these things, these things that we think we need or we're told we need. Because a lot of times there are other things in the front seat that Jesus should occupy in my life that I replace with things that are not as important. And we will see that in this chapter as we continue with Jesus' encounter with this woman. So if you would open up to John chapter 4, please. And we will begin at uh, verse 27, and we'll go through verse 38. Now, leading into this verse, um, the woman says to him, I know that Messiah uh, is coming Uh, When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And he says, I who speak to you am he. And then verse 27, just then his disciples returned 
and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? At this point, they're probably getting used to the fact that he's breaking all the rules. Then leaving her water jar, super important, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. How many like to be found out? And then everyone, and then, and then telling people about it. No, not many. <laughs> but she says, come and see, the man told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Food is good for you, correct? We need it. Do we need water? Yes. Do we need food? Yes. Are his disciples panicked about him not having sustenance? Yes. Then his, uh, but he said to them, Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Whoa! These are his followers. I have food you know nothing about. You've been hanging with me, and you still know nothing about it. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? These guys are just batting a thousand, aren't they? And Jesus says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And we will find in John chapter 5 that Jesus says, I only can do what the Father is doing. I only do what I see him doing. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws the wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now there's a couple things here just to give a little context it's been said that Jesus was possibly referring to John the Baptist who came before him, who was sowing the seed, and now the disciples and others are reaping the benefit of that. But he's also talking about the relationship between us and him. He is sowing, and we will reap the benefits. Do we not? Do we not? And so when he encounters this woman, this woman comes up to this place and this sacred place in shame to get water. Her purpose was to get water. Now remember, it's not as easy to get water then and food then as it is now. It holds great value and impact. There's worry about it. There's concern about it. Their whole lives are circled around trying to get food and water and all those things. So this is a big deal. And she encounters love through Jesus in such a way that he doesn't condemn her. He gently leads her to a place of understanding and trust and such trust that she leaves her water, what represents to be something she needs desperately, and she leaves it to go tell others about who she just encountered. And then Jesus says to the disciples, I don't need that food. 
another thing that we need. He says there's something greater. How often we give ourselves away to the things we think we need. Now, I am not saying don't eat and drink water. I'm not saying that. But the point is to be made. Some of the things that we think are necessity of life can be substituted. And we can put Jesus over here and take those things. And guess what? We're good at justifying it too. Because you say, well, I'm doing that in the name of Jesus. There are so many things I give away my, myself to in the name of Jesus that are not actually Jesus. Concerns? Are we going to have enough money? Are we going to have enough volunteers? Even in my role, are we going to have this? Are we going to have that? Are we going to have this? Are we going to have that? And my energies. And what did we just hear in Isaiah? When you withdraw in his presence, you will, you will gain strength from trusting in him. And the only way that happens if you are what? With him. So many times I give myself away. How about you? When, I, when we engage him, something happens. And this woman encountered something she didn't expect. How many, how many really love when something that was completely off your radar happens that breathes life? Now imagine you just meet the savior of the universe. I mean, we have. But I mean, you're not expecting it. Everyone's waiting for the Messiah. And here she has an encounter with him. And guess what? Her resume, as shady as it was, did not dictate his love for her. He shouldn't have been talking to her at all. But he was. Why? Because she, without knowing it, is hers. She belongs to him. See, at the end of the day, all the things we think we need will be gone. And when we leave this place, when we die, what will not be taken away from us is love. And Jesus shows us that the love of God sustains him, and he only does what he sees his Father, love incarnate, love doing. And he engages the people no one else will engage, and he illustrates that. Because when it comes down to it, it's Genesis, it's, the, it's, it's what we see in the garden. When we are created, what does he want? You to do stuff? He wants to walk with you in the garden. And when we leave this place, guess what it ends with? Walking with him. Always. It's that kind of closeness and proximity. And too often we'll give ourselves away to other things and we cannot afford to do that anymore. I want to be able to trust him every day, but I give myself a reason not to. As much as I feel that I'm faithful and this and that, there is, there is something that I miss because I'll tell you what, sometimes I've got to have right circumstances so I can believe the way I want to believe. And yet he's right here in front of me. This morning he gave me reminders all morning. I mean, it was annoying. Did anyone ever see Bruce Almighty? Anyone ever see that? Give me a sign. 
truckload of signs. You know, everywhere he looked, I got in the car and some song was on, I've never heard it in my life, and it said for 30 seconds, the same chorus, over and over and over and over, is keep your head up and keep your heart strong. And I kept hearing Jude in my head, keep yourself in the love of God over and over and over again. I even read a blog, which I don't ever do, which says, withdraw with me, come into my presence. It's all that you need. It's all that you need. I am not saying the things that we do here are unimportant, but they're not most important. They're not. He wants you, only you. I will say it forever. As long as I'm given any kind of of audience, whether it be one person, whether it be my kids, we have to be obsessed with staying with Jesus. He's here with us, and he wants our engagement. This woman who wasn't expecting him engaged, and she wanted to tell everyone about him because he was greater than what she left at the well. And there are things in our lives we need to leave at the well. Can you think of any? I can think of like 12. Probably not, because I'm on the spot. (laughs) But I could. As important as that encounter is that he has with her, that shows his heart, that shows what he's about, and the opportunity he has to walk his disciples through discipleship, a teaching moment, to say, I'm... I'm doing this work so that you can reap the benefits. As important as those things are, I think that it's also equally important to understand in each scenario what was left behind to step in to greater presence with God. Because it showed in that culture the most valuable things that you need. Water and food. And what is illustrated in that encounter is that these didn't have a say any longer and this woman is now changed people now come to see him disciples are continuing their road their up and down road of really learning this and understanding it because he's breaking all the rules in the sense of they don't understand what's going on and it's the most simplistic of things he is present with every person he encounters illustrating something that's off the radar that changes someone he brings healing he brings breakthrough he brings life and guess what he brings anger people got angry at him because they know he's right He's messing with everyone. Every single person that he encountered was changed in some way. Even the Pharisees. Maybe not for the greater good, but they were met with truth. Love. And that's our call and our mission, is to receive that more deeply than we did the day before. It's it's hard enough to do that, let alone create a whole system around it and think I need A, B, C, and D, and E, F, G. Is that not hard? To just stay where he is and receive the love he has for you, even with our laundry list of bad decisions? But he meets with us at our well. 
And he forgives and he gives living water. And he is the bread of life. Fulfillment is in him and he alone. What do we need to leave at our wells? Not to sound gimmicky, but what do we need to leave there so that he can have the lordship of our lives? I pray that in all our encounters in this, these current moments we're in, in this current season we're in, that we would engage him first before the tasks we think we need to do. Because he breathes life into everything we do. He makes everything matter the way it should when we're engaging him. How many find that when you engage him, relationships are richer, moments are richer and deeper and fuller? And when you engage him, you find even in hard relationships that there's a hope and a peace that wasn't present before, even though you knew Jesus could change it. But when we engage him, it just changes things. It changes who we are and what we depend on. So my prayer is that we continue to make him that obsession, that magnificent one. That we continue to lay down what we think we need so that we can step into who we need and who, won't, who loves us dearly because it started with a walk and for eternity it will be that walk with him. Isn't that huge? There's nothing greater for me in my life than just being where my kids are when they're well-behaved. <laughs> but those moments where they just lay on you on the couch and they're not saying anything, they're not doing anything, you're not doing anything productive, but you're experiencing proximity. It's, why is that? Because that's what we were designed for. Not just for survival. It's, we're designed for that kind of proximity. And that that's the purpose and that's the joy. Because it's greater than anything I could hope for them, anything I could hope for myself. It was to just be present with my kids. How much more so the Lord feels towards you and I. It's all he wants. I think it's beautiful. And we're going to take communion in a second, and I want us, as we come to the table and we come down the aisles when you're ready and when you feel led, to remember the simplicity, but the power. The power of his birth, his death, his resurrection, so that we can continue to have that walk with him, always. So when we come to the table, let's just be thankful. Simply that. No, you don't need to do a fancy prayer. Just be thankful. And whether you think you're deserving or not, we're not. <laughs> Hence, his grace. But he gives it to us because we're his. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. And for some of us, we need to withdraw a little bit into your presence more fully than the moment before to continue 
to trust you. And in that trust, we see your strength and our weaknesses and the things that we cannot control, things we cannot overcome on our own. When we withdraw into your presence, we realize the strength of your spirit and that it's trustworthy. Lord, I ask that you would help us let go of the things that we need to leave behind that maybe we have deemed of greater value or significance for whatever reason, maybe knowingly or not knowingly, that we would leave it behind and that we would re-engage you in a way in which you can uh, continue to bring transformation and life into the dormant places of our hearts. So would you bless our time as a family as we come before your table and give you thanks for all that you are and for your love for us. And we love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Long awaited, precious promise, Son of God and Son of Man. Heaven's glory in a manger has come to us in Bethlehem. Coming back again